Hello and welcome to episode 147 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. It's my pleasure to be with you this morning. My name is Terrence M. Stanton. This is being recorded on Saturday, April 2nd, 2022. We are continuing our look at Fatima, The Great Secret of Fatima, A Spiritual Light for Our Times, Volume 3, by Father Carl Stellan of the Society of St. Pius X. This is from Chapter 4, The Third Secret Silenced. After 40 years of categorical refusal to reveal the third secret, the Vatican surprised the whole world by announcing its sudden publication during the holy year 2000. On the 26th of June 2000, a big file was published with the title, The Message of Fatima. It contained seven different documents, the third being the third secret, which included a copy of the written version in the original Portuguese language, followed by a translation. According to this document, the secret consists exclusively of a vision of a bishop clothed in white, who, together with other bishops, priests, and religious, was climbing a mountain towards a big cross, passing by a big town partially ruined, and praying for the cadavers on the road. Arriving at the peak of the mountain, kneeling before the cross, he was killed by a group of soldiers, and after him the bishops, priests, religious, men, and women. Below the arms of the cross were two angels, each one with a crystal watering can, in which they gathered the blood of the martyrs. They then sprinkled souls approaching God with this blood. Thanks to the meritorious work of the Fatima Center, founded by the late Father Gruner, more than 30 arguments have been gathered together to prove that this cannot be the whole secret. Those arguments are confirmed in a book written by the Italian journalist Antonio Sochi called The Fourth Secret, and recently by the chief editor of the Italian weekly, Familia Cristiana, Severo Gaeta, in this book, Fatima, Tutta la Verita, La Storia e Segreti, La Consecrazione. Because of the importance of the matter, we will consider briefly the main arguments. Our intention is to find the deeper spiritual meaning of this other aspect of the mystery of iniquity in the light of Fatima. If I could interject here for a moment, I would also recommend The Secret Still Hidden by Mr. Christopher Ferrara, the eminent Catholic lawyer and Fatima expert. We went through that book here on the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. Father Stelling continues with a fact. The published vision is not the entire secret. A. The third secret contains spoken words of Our Lady. At the end of the revealed part of the secret, Our Lady says, don't tell this to anybody. To Francisco, yes, you can say it. Now, Francisco always saw the apparition, but could not hear the words of Our Lady. If there was only a vision, this sentence would make no sense. There would be nothing to be said to Francisco if Our Lady did not speak. The communique of the 8th of February, 1960, that the secret will not be revealed by the Vatican, states expressly, the letter will never be opened, in which Sister Lucia wrote down the words which Our Lady confided as a secret to the three little shepherds in the Covadiria. Father Schweigel confirms that the secret consists in the continuation of the words. In Portugal, the dogma of faith will be preserved. B. 
In Portugal, the dogma of faith will be preserved, etc. With these words of Our Lady, the third secret begins. The secret has to be the explanation and development of the quoted sentence, for that sentence begins a new theme, different from that contained in the first and second secrets, whose contents we know. Also, the etc. is proof that the sentence continues. The 2000 version makes no mention of either a logical or verbal continuation of the sentence. C. The 2000 secret and 1960. As we will see below, Sister Lucia always affirmed that 1960 was the date given by the Holy Virgin herself, the date, at the latest, when the secret should be read to the world. She told Cardinal Ottaviani that in 1960 it would be clearer. But how could John Twenty-Third, after reading the secret, conclude that this is not for my pontificate? He could only affirm such a thing if the third secret dealt with something very precise, marking out a specific period. But there is no information in the official secret sufficiently precise to say that it has nothing to do with the pontificate of John Twenty-Third. Moreover, the great efforts that Cardinal Bertone made to establish that the date of 1960 was invented by Sister Lucia underscores the fact that this date creates considerable problems. But a revelation of the vision of the bishop dressed in white at that time would have created no difficulties. The vision refers to cataclysms less serious than those announced by Sister Lucia in the revealed part of the secret, and so there was no reason for the Vatican to keep that vision under lock and key since 1960. D. A vision incomprehensible without commentary. In all the apparitions of Fatima, the message is always easy to understand. In the apparitions of the Angel and of Our Lady, including Panavedra and Tui, in the numerous revelations and communications given to Sister Lucia, everything is clear and logical, understandable even to children. What characterizes the whole of the text of the message of Fatima is their great clarity. The same is true of all the writings of Sister Lucia. They are always simple, concrete, precise, easy to understand, and without any complicated phrases. None of them have any need of interpretation. Don Joaquin Alonso The great secret of the 13th of July in its revealed part is no exception to this rule. Whenever the children had a vision, the vision of God in the light emanating from Our Lady's hands on the 13th of May, the vision of the Immaculate Heart on the 13th of June, and the vision of Hell, the 13th of July, even when the vision was simple and clear, Our Lady always gave them an explanation of the vision, e.g., the 13th of July, you have seen Hell where the souls of poor sinners go. But the 2000 account of the vision is so complicated that even the Vatican speaks about an attempt at interpretation. Without an explanation, the meaning of many of the elements of the vision is difficult to grasp. What does the crystal sprinkler represent? What is meant by the firing of bullets? The arrows? The rough-hewn trunks? A cork tree with bark? Etc. If this vision is obscure for the average person today, how much more difficult would it not have been for the three children? If this vision were connected to the great secret, Our Lady would have certainly explained the meaning of the vision so that it could be understood and her words would be the most important part of that section of the secret. E. In contradiction of all the witnesses who read the secret or knew about it. In the following chapter, we will consider the testimony of all those who have either read the secret or had knowledge of its contents. They unanimously declare that it has to do with the crisis of faith, not with wars or natural cataclysms, e.g. Monsignor do Amaral, 
Cardinal Ratzinger, Father Condor. But the Vatican-published vision aligns more closely with a war involving physical violence than a situation of global apostasy. What is more, none of the explanations given by Rome for not divulging the third secret makes sense if the secret consists only in this mysterious vision. These were reasons such as Sister Lucia is still alive, the world wouldn't understand it, it would propagate sensationalism, it is a very delicate matter which should not fall into hands of strangers, etc. It is hard to see how any of these concerns could apply to the vision. In its essence, the vision does not reveal anything more than what already had been announced in the known part of the secret, which describes similar, if not worse, events. The vision of hell is much worse and more horrible than this one. There would be no reason to silence Sister Lucia from 1955 until her death out of fear of her speaking about this vision. She had already announced great calamities for the Holy Father, the Church, and the faithful. Moreover, why would Sister Lucia have such an extreme reluctance and hesitation in writing such a vision down, or employ such precautions when transmitting it to the Bishop of Laeria? While it is true that the vision contains a scene of violence and bloodshed, yet Catholics are quite accustomed to stories of martyrdom because of their prevalence in scripture and church history. Such a vision would more likely be seen as a triumph of a series of martyrs than a terrible cataclysm too terrible to speak about. F. The Discoveries of Paolini and Antonio Sochi. Thanks to the research of two illustrious Italian journalists, one of whom was a personal friend of John Paul II, it has been clearly established that in 1957, all writings from Sister Lucia as well as the Third Secret were sent to Rome, but on a different date. The documentation of Sister Lucia's writings was kept in the archives of the Sacred Office, and the Third Secret in the Papal Bedroom, in a safe on the desk known as Barbarigo. However, the 2000 dossier only speaks of one document, sent by the Bishop of Laeria to the Holy See. In his response to Sochi's The Fourth Secret Book, Cardinal Bertone insists that there was only one text and one envelope held in the archives of the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith. But Bishop de Capavia, who was the personal secretary of John XXIII, asserts that there were two different documents sent to Rome. This led Cardinal Bertone to request from Bishop Capavia a denial of his earlier statements. Nevertheless, in response to Cardinal Bertone's request, Capavia made a declaration of the 23rd of September 2007 reaffirming that the secret was in the desk called Barbarigo in the papal bedroom. This was contrary to the repeated declarations of Cardinal Bertone that there was only one document kept in the archives of the Holy Office. Therefore, the official version is falsified by the fact that it came from the wrong place. If the official line affirms that the documents of the Third Secret are solely in the archives of the Holy Office, but in truth the Third Secret is kept in the bedroom of the Pope, the 2000 document loses its historical veracity. A question. Is it possible that the published version is not part of the secret at all? We are well aware that the majority of competent Fatima researchers trying to clarify the question about the third secret believe that the entire third secret consists in the public vision, excuse me, in the published vision and a commentary by Mary explaining this vision. Nevertheless, the following thoughts could help to gain even more light and clarity on this subject. A. The secret itself doesn't contain any visions. 
Lucia spoke for the first time about the secret in the accounts of the apparitions that she gave in 1922 and in her canonical deposition in 1924. Afterwards, the lady entrusted to us some little words, palavrinas, urging us not to tell them to anybody except to Francisco. For Lucia, the secret begins with the words of Our Lady, and the vision of hell is only a preparation for receiving the secret. This is clear from the way in which Lucia speaks about the communication of the secret. After these words, she communicated to us the reflection of the light a third time. During that apparition, she revealed the secret preceded by the vision of hell, the 13th of April, 1936, copied by her confessor on the 24th of April, 1941. B. A short text. The analysis of the envelope containing the secret, made by Bishop Venancio, convinced all of the Fatima experts that the third secret is a short text. This is confirmed expressly by Cardinal Ottaviani and Father Alonzo. Cardinal Bertoni in his book, The Last Seer of Fatima, states, For me, it is surprising that Cardinal Ottaviani categorically said 25 lines on one sheet of paper. Now, why would Cardinal Ottaviani, who had read the secret, state that it contains 25 lines if this wasn't true? Andre Frassard, the friend of John Paul II, stated, I spoke with the Holy Father about the secret of Fatima. This time he answered me, In no way can I publish it. I can only tell you that it is a simple sheet containing 22 lines. The two parts of the secret published by Sister Lucy in 1942 contain 62 lines. This makes an average of 31 lines per part of the secret, which makes the 25 lines claimed for the third secret by Cardinal Ottaviani seem quite plausible. If the third secret, however, consists of the vision of the bishop dressed in white, as well as some still unpublished words of Our Lady, it would be a voluminous text completely out of proportion with the rest of the secret. It is also interesting that during a TV program on the secret, Cardinal Bertone insists that the third secret is written on one sheet of paper. His own book contradicts this, for he therein affirms that the secret is written on four little pages. Even Pope Benedict, in his preface to this book, speaks about the sheets written by Sister Lucia. However, during the TV show, Cardinal Bertone only held up one sheet. C. Difficulty to explain the existence of two parts of the same third secret. Sister Lucia always confirmed that there was only one secret in the letter sent to the Bishop of Laeria, because no transfer was ever made of an addition to that letter. Any other parts of the third secret must have already been included in the envelope sent to Monsignor de Silva. If there are two parts of the secret, there must be more than one sheet. As in the envelope containing the secret was only one sheet, Consequently, the other sheet or sheets must be somewhere else. One could argue that Sister Lucia sent in the letter to Monsignor de Silva the text with the secret in the envelope, and she put the envelope inside her notebooks, the text in the envelope, and the envelope in the notebooks. Thus, it is hypothetically possible that Sister Lucia wrote the revealed part of the third secret, the vision, in the notebooks, and separately put the words in the sealed envelope. But how can Sister Lucia then state that the secret is in the envelope? D. The terms used are entirely strange for Sister Lucia. The official version presents a text written by Sister Lucia describing the vision. Therefore, we can compare it to other visions already described by her, those of the 13th of May, 13th of June, 
13th of July, Vision of Tui, and the visions Jacinta told her. Many of its expressions do not appear in any of the other writings of Sister Lucia. Not less than 16 words or expressions in the martyrdom vision cannot be found in anything else she wrote, whether it be her memoir or her correspondence. E. Disharmony with the totality of the secret of the 13th of July. In the third memoir, the first in which she delivers part of the secret, Sister Lucia points out something important. Of what does the secret consist? Well, the secret includes three distinct things, and I will unveil two. It seems to me that I have already revealed the first part of the secret. The second refers to devotion to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Subsequently, Sister Lucia always spoke of one secret. Consequently, there is necessarily a central point around which the three parts turn. Now, the central point of the whole message of Fatima is the salvation of sinners. This point appears not only in the first two parts of the secret, but it is present throughout the history of Fatima, in all the apparitions of the angel in 1916, and at each apparition of the Blessed Virgin, even in Pontevedra and Tui. Sister Lucia herself affirmed it many times. For example, the conversion of sinners and the return of souls to God. This point was repeated in all apparitions. That is why I consider it to be the essence of the message. Father McGlynn, 1950. On the contrary, the published vision introduces completely foreign elements into the message of the 13th of July, and to the whole message of Fatima. And since, according to the very words of Sister Lucia, the secret is a whole in three parts, it is hard to see how this vision could possibly form part of it. In the first two points of the secret, the remedy proposed for the evils which threaten us is devotion to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. In the official secret, salvation no longer comes from this devotion. It comes from no devotion on our part, but only from A, the Blessed Virgin who stops the fire enkindled by the angel's sword, B, the blood of the martyrs. Of course, the blood of the martyrs surely brings us many graces, but the message of Fatima tells us that we will obtain our salvation the conversion of sinners, and peace in the world through our devotion to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, the recitation of the Rosary, and the communion of reparation on the first Saturdays. The blood of the martyrs thus appears as another means, completely new and totally independent of the devotion to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Never during her entire life did Sister Lucia speak of the blood of the martyrs. Rather, she never stopped talking about the devotion to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. A total lack of harmony is also seen when we compare the descriptions of Sister Lucia's other visions with this one. We have already said that the rest of the secret and the message of Fatima is perfectly clear. Let us compare, for example, the official secret with the vision of the Holy Trinity at Tui. The difference is glaring. The vision of the Holy Trinity was surely more difficult to describe since it was much more abstract. Yet Sister Lucia was able to express this great mystery which she had the grace to contemplate. F. Lack of harmony and contradiction with the whole message of Fatima. In the official secret we read, And we saw in an immense light that is God, something similar to how people appear in a mirror when they pass in front of it. A bishop dressed in white. We had the impression that it was the Holy Father. The statement to see an external scene as in a mirror does not make sense. A mirror is useful only to see oneself. It is completely useless to see an outside scene. Try to admire a landscape through a mirror, yet the official secret presents an external scene. In her fourth memoir, Sister Lucia used the comparison of a mirror 
only to illustrate how the little seers saw themselves. She never made use of the example of a mirror to see an external scene. Indeed, all the scenes presented by Our Lady to the little seers during the apparitions were seen not as in a mirror, but by the effect of a grace of the Blessed Virgin appearing to them in the form of rays coming from her hands, a light so intimate that it penetrated our hearts in the very depths of our souls. And in this light, she made us see ourselves in God, who was this light, more clearly than we see ourselves in the best of mirrors. The visions communicated to the children by Our Lady of Fatima each have a very special meaning, such that each detail in them is of utmost importance. They are prepared by a significant gesture of the Blessed Virgin. Each time, during the visions of the 13th of May, June, and July, the Blessed Virgin opened her hands, and by the light that emanated from them, the scene appeared. By this gesture, she shows that all graces come from the Sacred Heart of Jesus only through her hands. However, such a gesture is not mentioned in the official secret, which is supposed to find its place after the words of Our Lady at the end of the second secret. In all of the visions recounted by Sister Lucia, the Blessed Virgin was there to show that she was the origin of this grace of vision. We find none of this in the scene of the official secret. Another detail is the following. During the visions given to the children by the Blessed Virgin, they were always in ecstasy. After the first vision, it took them some time to regain the normal use of their senses. During the last apparition, Lucia said she did not see the crowd. Again, we find none of this in the official secret. Another term used in this sentence puzzles us. We had the impression. Heaven has never left the little seers with an impression. Three times the Blessed Virgin opened her hands and gave them a special grace that enabled them to understand things far beyond the capacity of children their age. For example, on the 13th of June, in front of the palm of the right hand of Our Lady was a heart surrounded by thorns, which seemed to penetrate it. We understood that it was the Immaculate Heart of Mary. She did not say we had the impression, but we understood. On two other occasions, there was no question of there being a mere impression. The main purpose of this reflection was to infuse in us a special knowledge and love of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Finally, there is another inconsistency in the Vatican file of 2000. If, according to the official text, the identification of the bishop clothed in white with the Pope is only an impression of the little seers, then it is not a certitude. Yet the document of 2000 says that it is the Holy Father, and even John Paul II. But the very same document, speaking of the vision of hell, concerning with the Blessed Virgin, says very clearly, You have seen hell says that it is only an image invented by the children. G. Doubtful expressions. Collecting the blood of martyrs in a watering can to sprinkle men seems grotesque and almost sacrilegious. A garden utensil, even of crystal, is not a suitable means for a sacred use. Never in the Bible or in the history of the whole tradition has such an image been used. The criterion of fittingness, which is one of the principal criteria of discernment in judging the divine origin of a private revelation, seems to be missing here. Praying for the souls of corpses is also a curious expression. A corpse has no soul. It is, on the contrary, a body without a soul. We speak of the soul of the departed or of the dead, both terms designating a complete person, body and soul, but not the soul of a corpse. H. Fakes in the Vatican document of the 26th of June 2000. In the Vatican dossier exists several falsified documents, a letter dated the 12th of May 1982 and a letter addressed to Mr. Nolker, both falsely attributed to Sister Lucia. 
Then, several affirmations by Cardinal Bertone contradict each other. Moreover, the Cardinal puts Sister Lucia in contradiction with herself. Date of 1960, etc. Affirmations concerning the Third Secret and the Consecration of Russia. Thus accusing her of lying, or at least of being a confused or mentally unstable person. According to the rules of historical science, a document containing errors or falsehood statements, excuse me, or false statements, loses his credibility and is of little or no value for establishing historical facts. Commentary. Another strategy of the Prince of Darkness. What can be the spiritual meaning of these afflicting and almost depressing facts? After having distorted Our Lady's request concerning the consecration of Russia, the attack on Fatima continues to use immoral means to achieve its own goals, pretending that all requests of Our Lady are now accomplished and placing Fatima in the same category with many other sanctuaries as just another tourist attraction with a religious flair. Strategy of Counterfeiting A fake always has similarities with the true original. The more similar a false piece of money is to the true one, the more dangerous it is. The whole strategy of modernism is to present an entirely new religion in such a way that it seems similar to the old one. Thus, the same terms are used, and ostensibly the same doctrine is maintained, just being presented in a more modern form. But in fact, a completely different reality is lurking behind the appearances. Completely contradictory with what was believed before. For example, the modernists speak much about the faith and the necessity to have faith and to believe. But the faith itself is no longer an adherence to objective truth, but is rather an exterior projection of one's own subjective religious feelings. The Novus Ordo Mise is supposed to be essentially the same holy mass as before, but just accommodated to the sensibilities of modern man. In fact, the Novus Ordo Mise is a practical denial of the essence of the holy mass, namely its sacrificial nature. It reduces the mass to not much more than a Protestant memorial of the Last Supper, a gathering of the community of believers to mutually stimulate one another's faith by remembering our Lord's life. Almost everything in the Catholic religion underwent similar radical transformations in the name of the Council. In order to make the reluctant faithful accept these reforms, they were told that in reality nothing has changed in Catholicism but the exterior forms. In like manner, the official secret of 2000 is presented as the only true one written by Sister Lucia on the 3rd of January, 1944. It is similar in many ways to what people might expect. Calamities, wars, sufferings, many deaths, the cross, the angels, penance, etc. The purpose was to make the people believe that the vision represents the totality of the third secret, so that they would forget about the true message of Fatima. This episode in Fatima history is another application of the general law of modernists, to produce look-alike fakes, so that the people will not revolt against the complete changing of their religion. However, if it is sometimes difficult for the simple faithful to detect the fakes in the modernist reforms, it is very easy for them to expose this fake by simply comparing the 2000 version of the third secret with the first two parts of the real secret. In this way, the history of the false and true third secret can prove to be a clear revelation of the wickedness of modernism. This confirms that the whole history of Fatima is in a certain way the application of the modernist reforms to Our Lady herself. In a unique way, Our Lady denounces the abomination of the post-conciliar reforms at Fatima. Not only does she issue warnings about the worst crisis of the faith and the failure of Catholic pastors, 
she also denounces the strategies and procedures of the modernists, where all is built up on fakes, ambiguities, manipulation, and lies, and the whole movement appears as a work of the Prince of Lies. The Effects of This Secret The clear goal of the authors of The Secret is for us to draw the conclusion that, with the consecration of Russia by Pope John Paul II and the revelation of the Third Secret, all is fulfilled, and the prophetic message of Fatima belongs now to the past. The message of Fatima is no longer to be a reminder of the traditional doctrine of the Church, but has to fit into the new spirit of Vatican II. The ecumenical way of the Church is irreversible. Vatican II changed the Church definitely, and tradition now belongs to the past. This seemed to be completed in the year 2000, at the beginning of the third millennium. But what really happened? According to the masters of spiritual life, the strategy of the devil generally begins with what seem to be small compromises. According to the measure that one gives in to temptation and allows oneself to be led by the father of lies, the mistakes and sins increase, going from downfalls caused by weakness into premeditated sins of malice. The last step is the hardening of the heart in evil and the loss of logical thinking. The mind becomes completely blind towards the truth and establishes itself in a world of lies and illusions. At this stage, the father of lies dominates the soul entirely and can do with it whatever he wants. In fact, the strategy of the devil is terrible. Once you drift away from the true way, he leads you off into the worst errors and abominations. This is exactly what happened in a visible manner to the anti-Fatimist party, especially with their ludicrous strategy of marginalizing Fatima by releasing their document in 2000. In this way, the modernist strategy has only served to be another proof of the importance of Fatima. Without saying a word, without making a gesture, the very presence of Our Lady of Fatima reveals the head of the serpent, Satan hidden in the shape of an angel of light, who is so furious about his definite defeat that he loses his skill and apparent grandeur and demonstrates his real and ugly face as a base liar. The same thing happens with his instruments on earth. When modernism began, it presented itself as being wise, subtle arguments, intelligent strategies, enticing and fascinating behavior. The fathers of the Nouvelle Theologie were almost worshipped by their adepts. Universal knowledge and apparently a fair and noble way of convincing by means of high-level discussions, etc. But when this, quote, wisdom failed to yield results, the face of modernism changed. Similarly, when the subtle arguments of Father Donis and his adepts didn't bear their fruits, the prophets of universal freedom forbade Sister Lucia to speak and closed the mouth of the most outstanding specialist of Fatima, Don Alonso. They employed means which don't fit at all into the conciliar idealism, where everybody can say what he wants, and all consciences are respected. Far from practicing tolerance, the anti-Fatimists legislated a harsh and cruel halting of the main themes of Fatima and the requests of Our Lady. But even these means didn't succeed, and so stronger means had to be employed. Multiple lies and the presentation of counterfeit documents were brought forward to accomplish the final aim of finishing with the truth about Fatima. It is not our competence to judge the last pontificates, but we are obliged to observe that during them, the crisis of faith has now been extended into a terrible crisis of morals. 
God wants to show what will happen if Our Lady becomes the object of lies and manipulation. The worst calamities fall upon the church and the world, leading them to their self-destruction. The worsening of the crisis goes hand in hand with the worsening of the treatment of Our Lady of Fatima. The more they cut themselves off from the influence of their mother, the more they are lost. Fatima is the full revelation of the mystery of iniquity. This punishment is the worst of all. The pastors blinded, the faith fading away, the natural law destroyed. Everything and everywhere, ambiguity and manipulation becomes a law. No trust anymore, nothing sure, nothing clear, only anarchy, a true hell on earth. Our hearts should be filled with terror when meditating on these facts. How much we have to avoid lies, how much we have to love truth. But at this point, again, the importance of Fatima appears. There is just one crucial thing to do. If without our Heavenly Mother we descend to such a catastrophe, then coming back to her will bring the contrary effects. If God makes known to the world the absurdity of the wickedness of man, it is only to prepare the triumph of his glory more thoroughly. When sins reach their worst, grace will abound, and the Immaculate Heart of Mary will triumph. Oremos. Prayer for the hastening of the triumph of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. O Immaculate Heart of Mary, Holy Mother of God, and our tender mother, look upon the distress in which the whole of mankind is living due to the spread of materialism, godlessness, and the persecution of the Catholic faith. In our own day, the mystical body of Christ is bleeding from so many wounds caused within the church by the unpunished spread of heresies, the justification of sins against the sixth commandment, the seeking of the kingdom of earth rather than that of heaven, the horrendous sacrileges against the Most Holy Eucharist, especially through the practice of communion in the hand and the Protestant shaping of the celebration of the Holy Mass. Amidst these trials appeared the light of the consecration of Russia to thine immaculate heart by the Pope, in union with the world's bishops. In Fatima, thou didst request the communion of reparation on the first Saturdays of the month. Implore thy divine Son to grant a special grace to the Pope, that he might approve the communion of reparation on the first Saturdays. May Almighty God hasten the time when Russia will convert to Catholic unity, mankind will be given a time of peace, and the Church will be granted an authentic renewal in the purity of the Catholic faith, the sacredness of divine worship, and the holiness of Christian life. O Mediatrix of all graces, O Queen of the Most Holy Rosary, and our sweet Mother, turn thine eyes of mercy towards us, and graciously hear this, our trusting prayer. Amen. That, of course, is by Bishop Athanasius Schneider. Now the prayer to St. Joseph for purity by Father Donald Calloway. St. Joseph, strong spiritual father, defend me against sins of the flesh. Jesus said, Blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. St. Joseph, terror of demons, protect me from lust, immoral desires in my heart, and impure actions in my body. Help me not to offend God. Here and now I chain myself to you and sacrifice everything for the good, the true, and the beautiful. I love you, St. Joseph, and I thank you for being my spiritual father. Amen. Wigo potens, ora pro nobis, Sancti Osef, terra daimonem, ora pro nobis, in nomine Patris, et Filii, et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Thank you for listening, my friends, to this episode of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. Once again, my name is Terence M. Stanton. Please share this podcast with everyone you know. Today is the first Saturday of April as I'm recording this. 
please do your best to accomplish the First Saturday devotions, all done in a spirit of reparation to the Immaculate Heart of the Blessed Virgin Mary, and pray for the eternal salvation of Pope Francis, and that he will commend this devotion of the First Saturdays to all the faithful. Goodbye, and God love you.